there. How's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a very special and unique episode today. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. I'm so excited about this one. We very rarely do episodes where we spotlight on elements in our personal life, Mm -hmm. but it's something that our fans have inquired about, you know, over the years. We did that really fun episode after Carl got married where we had Josepha on, and that was such a great, you know, kind of way to have the Marcato fam get to know her. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've talked a lot about the last few years is my time attending Columbia College, Chicago. And one of the things that's made that experience so incredible and life changing for me has been the community of friends that I've made during that time. And so today's episode is really going to be a focus on getting to know my classmates and friends. Mm -hmm. I really feel so honored and privileged to be among this just stellar group of talented composers. And so without further ado, I would like to introduce my very good friend, Dylan Harper. Dylan, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Hello, guys. I thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast because it's very surreal because I had actually heard of the Super Marcato Brothers podcast before I started going <laughs> to grad school. Well, and I'm so glad that you have, but to the the sort of salient point of why we had you, you know, there are 14 people in the group and there's a reason why I wanted you on the actual episode here with Carl and I talking about this. We have sort of a special segment later where you guys are going to get to meet a majority of the people in the class. I have sort of a segment coming up later. But the reason why I wanted to have Dylan on um, most notably is the fact that Dylan is a huge fan of VGM. And as a composer, I think in the same way, Carl, that you and I and Marty are so influenced by game music and Mm -hmm. in many ways, game music is like our principal source of inspiration as composers. Dylan, would you say it's fair um, to suggest that that's the case with you? It is. Yeah, that's what we kind of first bonded over. And it still remains like one of the things that we talk about the most that is like unique between Mm. us two compared to the rest of our class. Right. It's something that um, Dylan and I very quickly bonded over, and we've spent many hours gushing over certain soundtracks and sharing music with each other. But I'm so excited for this episode because from the moment I met Dylan, I've been just telling him so much about you, Carl, and I feel like you guys actually have a lot in common. You know, the rhythmic aspect in your music, I think, is something you both share. You're both percussionists. I also think, yeah, there's certain stylistic qualities that, Carl, I think you really appreciate of Dylan's music. That's really cool to hear. And Dylan, I know that I've shared a lot of Carl's stuff with you, haven't I? Oh, yeah. And I follow Carl's outlets as well. So I've heard his albums. I've heard his YouTube stuff. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the show. It's pretty good. He's, <laughs> he's, he's good for a Marcato brother. Now, did he go to get a master's degree for the Marcato Brothers <laughs> podcast? That's true. Mercado's University. (laughs) So everything that we're going to be playing today is a piece of music written by one of our fellow alumni, as we like to call them, you know, graduates of Columbia College. These are all people that were in our class of 2022. Mm -hmm. So what we heard playing in with was a track called Fairy's Ball, composed by our good friend Jawe, who actually very recently return to China. So we're all very sad about that. We're going to miss him so much, but we had such a wonderful time. And I think that's just such a delightful orchestral track. Yeah, that was great. That was part of our thesis recording sessions at the Newman scoring stage at 20th Century Fox. Um, A really cool thing. A lot of the tracks we're playing are from those sessions, including uh, the next track we're going to play. This is a title that might be familiar to some listeners of our show because I actually wrote a piece in college with the very same name. But I think this piece it blows mine out of the water. What's fitting to me is this is the first track that we recorded. So on the morning session, you know, when we all got to Fox, the very first thing we heard the orchestra play was the first few bars of Taking Flight by Kyle Wasilewski. Let's take a listen. Thank you. 
You're listening to Taking Flight, composed by our good friend Kyle from the Columbia College class of 2022. I absolutely adore this piece. I think it's very much in the sort of grand, rousing, orchestral tradition. To me, it reminds me of the music of Michael Kamen or a composer like John Debney, Alan Silvestri, Mm. even John Powell. It's sort Mm -hmm. of in that ilk of a fantastic swashbuckling adventure theme. But what was perfect about this in the context of um, that you know, scoring session that we did was that this track, almost of all the the ones, all the pieces that we wrote, it's the most just classic film music. Mm-hmm. You hear it in the first few bars and it just sounds like you're at the movies. Yeah, it sounds majestic. It sounds like you're in for an imaginative fun ride. Really, hats, hats off, Kyle. This is outstanding. I hope Kyle's listening. I do love this <laughs> piece. One of my favorite things was I was sitting out on the stage as they played this and, you know, this would be a perfect piece the concert hall too yeah there's no studio magic here it's just it's all in the writing absolutely yeah it's great orchestration it's really well balanced and i think you know we had dennis sands as the engineer and doing the mix so clearly it's like dennis's magic um is all over you know the history of hollywood music but I think a big part of what makes a piece like this sound good really does come down to the writing. You know, it, when it's orchestrated well, when it's written thoughtfully and idiomatically for all of the parts, I think the, you know, the mixing in the balance really does the job for the engineer. Absolutely. I mean, Dennis has his own brand of magic. But one thing you could certainly say is that, you know, he can't take something that isn't there and make it suddenly exist. Mm -hmm. You know, the piece is there and it's all working very well before it even hits the mixing room. Yeah, it it, it really was. I mean, there's so much to talk about uh, when I reflect back on these two years and, you know, all the friendships that we made. There were so many different bizarre and challenging assignments that we were all given. Uh, but it really culminated in this recording session. And I think it was mm-hmm. such a magical and very emotional moment for a lot of us. I think one of the best pieces, in my opinion, that came out of that recording session was composed by our good friend Hunnick Park, who you will hopefully get to meet a little bit later in this segment. I had a wonderful chat with Hun. He has a very storied background. He has a lot of training as a classical violinist. Cool. And he's played with like the London Symphony and things. So, so much of his compositional prowess, I think, just comes from that instinctual response to having Mm -hmm. had so much experience with classical music. But anyways, I want to move on to uh, his thesis piece, which is called A Girl with a Tale. This is a very dramatic (laughs) and uh, hefty kind of orchestral composition, but I think it has a beautiful, soulful melody at the center of it, like much of Hun's work. Let's take a listen to A Girl with a Tale by Hunnick Park. We're listening to A Girl with a Tale, composed by our good buddy Hun. He has such a gift for melody. Uh, he's mm-hmm. honestly one of my favorite composers. I, I have so much respect 
for Hun. This was outstanding. Will, I was really enjoying the mix of emotions I was getting listening to this piece of music. There were so many. Uh, and, and at times there's like two happening at the same time. And then it would yeah. be really mysterious and then really beautiful and calming. And But there was a little bit, uh, you know, like an unsettling quality as well. It was just really interesting interesting writing he always delivers outstanding work a hundred percent of the time a hundred percent exactly Hun is so interesting because it you can tell that he's absorbed so much music. His music always feels really sophisticated, like it feels like there's mm-hmm. a really deep thinking person behind it, but often they're these very direct, simple kind of ideas. That was great. Uh, he's someone who I feel like is hard to pin down. Like he, you can't describe Hun in one or two words. A piece like this is really fascinating to me. I like how it sort of goes on a journey. Me too. One of the requirements for all of these was that they had to be two minutes. Um, and mm. so it's very difficult to sort of tell a moving story in only that amount of time. And I think many of our classmates did such an incredible job at giving such a storied journey. I want to move on to a track that is not orchestral at all. It is not from Hmm. this recording session. And this comes from our buddy. We call him affectionately ZZ because his name (laughs) is Zhao Hong Ju. um, And both names start with the letter Z. And so um, I think Kubi, our teacher, sort of made the connection like, oh, you got to call yourself ZZ. Like, that's such a cool sound. It's and a great <laughs> nickname. We sometimes even call him ZZ. Um, <laughs> maybe more Marcus and Hun that would do that the, because yes, they both the British. have their little British aphorisms. But um, ZZ is just one of the loveliest people in the world. He he loves to groove super hard. He has very eclectic mm. tastes. He can write really quirky and bizarre music. He's another person. He's so good with electronics and synths. He has uh, he listens to more music than anybody else I know. He's just constantly listening to music and discovering new stuff. It's half the battle, right? What's interesting about Zizi is he's Chinese. He's a Chinese citizen, but he was born in Japan and grew up Hmm. his very early years were in Japan. And so I think that some of his early childhood, particularly maybe watching TV shows and movies in Japan, that has like, like Dylan and myself and you, Carl, obviously, um, he's very much a fan of Japanese composers and he's very much a fan of video game music. And this is a track from our video game class taught by the wonderful Joel Korolitz. And so this was ZZ's interpretation of a town theme for Eastward, which is a game that Joel Mm. scored, but he had us all, you know, do our best attempts to write um, some music for that game. I absolutely love this and I feel like this gives you a great sense of ZZ's personality. Let's take a listen to The Town Underground. How good is this? The Town Underground. Just like that, we're playing video game music. How did this happen so quickly? This is such a ZZ track. This is absolutely delightful. And it's everything Will mentioned. I mean, it's 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 got so much personality. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I don't even know where to start with this one, but it, it really makes me smile. It is the quintessential ZZ track, I can tell you, from living with him. Yeah, it is. I mean, he just has such a... <laughs> he just has the most wonderful attitude. He's such an infectious person to be this around. This is an infectious piece of music. That is um, a perfect and way of he, describing he it. He will make these choices. Like, I think this track is honestly pretty straightforward for him. Like, it's... It's a, it's a very mm-hmm. simple melody. I think the quirkiness comes from the sounds and the arrangement, which is often the case for him. It's a wild track. Yeah, it's there's so many cool choices here. I mean, this is a really unique yeah. piece of music. The sound but of sometimes, it. Sometimes it's like ZZ will make these bold choices that you just, it's like, I've never heard this in a piece of music before. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. Like I remember last year in our orchestration class, there was a week when we all wrote choral pieces. And his piece was the most unique mm. by far. It was so different from everything anybody else was doing. And like, he doesn't necessarily have a cool one voice. distinct sound, but he more just has a very distinct personality. There's kind of in a reverence, there's a sense of fun. And you can tell that he listens to music of lots of different genres because there's that free form kind of genre bending. What I love about this is it like mm-hmm. compositionally, if I were to play this on the piano, I mean, it sounds at home in any JRPG or any kind of Nintendo game, uh, yet the instrumentation here is so quirky that it gives it a really specific character. And, you know, we were... Talk about personality. Right, we were... So much personality in the implementation. Exactly. And we were tasked with making kind of a 16-bit track, since that's the aesthetic of Eastward. Yet Joel also pushed all of us to not simply do um, an approximation of the Super Nintendo and to try to push it a little further because the graphics of Eastward also... um, you know, they they have maybe more complex lighting effects and stuff. It's sort of like the yeah. starting point is that 16-bit reference. And I think ZZ's track uh, was the best in the class this week just because you can tell it's 16-bit, but it's like 16-bit and beyond. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a dark horse composer. And actually, so is Hun as well. Both of them are very, like, in a large room of people, soft-spoken people. And a lot of their personality comes through when they write music. Right. I think with Hun, I see him as this sort of dignitary. He's very dignified and I love that. posh and hello. Oh, nice to meet. I, I, I feel like I just do C-3PO whenever I impersonate <laughs> him. Uh, but ZZ is like totally different. Uh, he always laughs and like has a good time and he just feels music physically. Whenever we're listening to something, he'll just be like grooving out to it. Like nobody feels music harder than ZZ. Uh, And Mm -hmm. speaking of feeling music, um, I'm so excited to move on to a piece of music by Alexander Rybach. He has become our very dear friend and our classmate. Uh, But Alex has an incredible story. He is a world-renowned and famous uh, violinist and pop star. He won the Eurovision Song Contest for his song Fairy Tale in 2009 and he rocketed to global superstardom. And in one of the most interesting turns in a career that I've ever heard of, he just up and made the decision to, I'm just going to go to this small art school <laughs> in Chicago and study film music just because he wanted to. A classic backup plan. <laughs> well, what's so great about it is and what I respect so much about Alex is like he did this because he really wanted to get into film and he he didn't just want to utilize the connections that he already had and the fame mm-hmm. that he already had to start scoring films because he easily could have done that, but he cares so much about the craft of composition and he cares so much about film music as an art form that he wanted to, you know, go back to school and study it. But this is someone who'd been playing the violin from such an early age and has both a classical jazz and pop training. He's, he's really a multi-talent. I want to play my favorite composition of Alex's, uh, this is I don't know how to introduce this other than I think this is one of the best melodies I've ever heard in my life this is one of this is the very first piece that I ever heard of Alex's outside of his kind of songwriting repertoire Um, this is a theme and variations we did you know one of our first weeks in class and this track features Alex's incredible playing um, both on the violin and on piano 
And I think this track, it's, you'll hear how beautiful it is, but it's also really gamey what he does with the variations, how he can take them on these very specific genre styles into a waltz, into kind of a jazz language. It's very fun, but the theme itself is just one of my favorites. So let's take a listen to theme and variations. is outstanding everyone you're listening to a bit of theme and variations composed by alexander rybach i'm blown away (laughs) in multiple ways yeah we were speaking about the beautiful beautiful playing uh and not to mention the beautiful writing melody what a great variation this is here (sighs) yeah i mean alex this is outstanding He's truly, I, I consider it one of the joys of my life to get to have met him and to get to know him. I mean, there he really is one of those people that I think it's safe to call a genius. Oh, absolutely. Um, he just, he has such a, in, a genius, not just in terms of his talent and the output that he has, but in terms of his personality. He's very, he has this sort of impish innocence sort of naive very like spiritual sense about him he's really funny he's Mm. really youthful and he just he's excited about everything and later on you're going to hear him talk a little bit about his writing process and um you know some of his background in a a bit more detail because he has a very fascinating story uh, but the thing that I think I love so much about Alex is he's not afraid to be completely vulnerable and he's not afraid to write music with a hundred percent sincerity and he just puts his emotions, he wears them on his sleeve. In a melody like this, it's so simple. It's everything that I love about music. It's like the most pure and simple idea, but it's one of those things that it's like, ah, how haven't I why didn't I think of that? And it's like every note is perfect. Like I I you couldn't change a single pitch to make this piece better. Wow. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm blown away. I'm only sad that you guys don't get to hear some of the pieces that he's written using mostly his voice because he has written a lot of fantastic, like almost acapella work Mm. as well. Yeah. I mean, and he's another person where like genre style, name a thing, he can do it. He's just so intuitive. Well, one of the cool things that I've been excited for this episode is now that all of your listeners are introduced to these, these wonderful names uh, you know, and, and you can head on t- to our website and, and see the names too if you need some help to spell everyone's names today. Is definitely check these people out. You know, go on their social media, go on their YouTube, go on their. I'm not sure what what would will what would you say is most common for for you and your peers? Is it SoundCloud? Alex has kind of become a TikTok star. Uh, since we started at Columbia, he started a TikTok, and because he already has all these famous songs, yeah. So check out TikTok. Bandcamp, check up, check all of it out. <laughs> yeah, we all have websites. We all had to make them. I think as part of the um, requirements of the program, um, and most people just are... check out everyone's MySpace. <laughs> yeah, we're on Friendster. <laughs> um, that is where all the composers are these days. Yeah, it's. I'm so glad we're doing this episode. I mean, I feel so. This is what I've been saying is like I feel honored to be a part of this group. Like it's a 
everyone is fantastic. It, it feels like being on an Olympic sports team or something. Uh, and the other thing that's so cool is we're, we all have very different styles and very different personalities. And I think we have helped each other grow and we complement um, one another. Well, speaking of styles, we, we, are, we are going to be moving on to Mr. Will Brueggemann. So let's, let's talk about his unique style of composing. I'm excited to move on to this one. This is the only one I've heard before. <laughs> Uh, Will, this was the piece of music, uh, so this is your thesis piece. Yeah, yes. So um, this is the only thing of mine that I'm going to play today. Um, but I wanted to share... Good restraint. The... <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I was going to make it all me, but then I'm like, <laughs> I should I should throw everybody else a, a crumb. This originally was a Will-focused episode. It was called Oops, All Me episode. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, Guys, this is a great piece of music you're in store for. Thank you. Yeah, this is the thesis piece that I composed. And again, our mandate was just to make something under two minutes. And I wanted to make a piece of music that could kind of tell a story, feel almost like the most exciting two minutes from a given film. Um, And I also wanted something that reflected my own sensibilities, my tastes, and my influences, mainly being that... Uh, I wanted something that felt a little bit like film music and a little bit like video game music. And so to me, this feels like it's like, I don't know, two parts sounding like Star Wars or something, two parts sounding like a like dark modern TV theme and two parts kind of like a Japanese video game. Um, But anyways, this piece is called Beckoning to the Great Beyond. Outstanding. You all are listening to Beckoning to the Great Beyond. This is obviously composed by Will Brueggemann. Even if we didn't tell all of you, I think it's it's pretty clear. I love I love that about this piece. I mean, this is just it's so you, Will, but at the same time, it's like you stretching your muscles um, and and trying to you know obviously accomplish a specific an, an assignment that was given to you, um, and and really thinking about. Uh, really making a piece of music for this particular experience, uh, and it's great. Well, thank you. You know, something I did write this piece and orchestrate it sort of simultaneously. I, I did most of the composition in Sibelius. Nice. Um, which is different from a lot of the tracks that we've done for school because just due to like, you know, a lot of the deadlines and the turnaround times, Mm -hmm. most of us do our composing in the DAW, you know, we kind of write into the finished product, but since this was going to be recorded, you know, the finished product, as far as we were concerned, you know, our last step in the process was handing the physical scores and parts to the musicians. Um, so, but I found it and I continually find that process so freeing, um, being able to visualize, you know, the whole, 
orchestral layout. I feel like I make very different choices. I think I orchestrate in a more thoughtful way. I'm less inclined to do copy and pasting kind of stuff. And one of the things I really wanted to do in this piece was to get get um, types of articulation out of the musicians that samples don't do very well. So for instance, you know, it, it would be very easy for that ostinato. That would be so hard to do with samples. Um, it, it, if it were samples, it would probably sound like yum, 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 or yum, 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 you know, and it's like, to write something with nuanced articulation where these are rebowed, these are slurred. Um, it's a kind of phrasing that I think is easy for real players. You know, it's not like it's difficult. It's just difficult to make that sound convincing with samples. So I kind of wanted to take advantage of those little things that, that basically gave me a result that I couldn't achieve with great, you know, programming. And the other thing is just incredible playing. I mean, writing a piece that allows for great musicianship is so fun. I mean, the thing that blew me away is I have this really fast, intricate string run before that kind of big modulation. It goes to the bum, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. Right before that moment, there's this fast violin run. And it's like, they sight read that perfectly. The first take. First time. (laughs) And it's funny, you never know what people are going to, like, that's what I thought they would have to rehearse. And even Kubi said, like, you're going to hear them practicing that before, like, that might take a couple (laughs) things. It's like, there were... what was difficult on this piece was certain timing things, like particularly at the beginning and certain tempo changes, getting the whole group to play together. But yet a tricky, intricate line like that, these players are world class. They sight read it in an instant. It was yeah. unbelievable to me. That's awesome. Well, I'm I couldn't be more excited. This composition is really the reason why I wanted to do this episode. Um, I'm very proud of my classmates. I'm very proud to be among them. But this piece of music, I can say without this is, you know, the best piece of music I've heard all year. It's one of my favorite melodies ever written. And it's written by our guest of honor here today, Mr. Dylan Harper. Dylan, you know how much I love this piece. I I gush over it almost every time I see you now. Um, I play it at the piano all the time. (laughs) I'm obsessed with this. Uh, The piece of music is called The Moon Serpent. Dylan, do you have anything that you'd like to share with us before we play this track? I think mostly I'll let it speak for itself, but I will say it was a struggle to write it. Uh, It's everything I kind of grew up listening to, but at the same time wasn't, you know, like immediately intuitively under my under my fingers at a piano and so i think Mm. the result is kind of a mixture of uh the craftsmanship i had to learn over the course of the program and just trusting my intuition and will knows this because uh a week we had four weeks to write this and a week into it i was giving him a phone call about how i had no ideas eventually it went it went this way so (laughs) I think that's a good jumping off point. Any fans of this podcast and any fans of the kind of video game music we play, buckle up. This is going to be fantastic. Let's take a listen to The Moon Serpent, composed by Dylan. Thank you. 
Wow. That was amazing. Hats off, Dylan. Wow. I mean, that was that was the track of the week. <laughs> oh, thanks so much, Carl. Yeah, track of the year, man. <laughs> track of my freaking life. I can definitely like feel a lot of pent-up energy. I can only imagine like what it felt like to get this opportunity, you know, after all all of the experiences that you've had at Columbia and all of the experiences you've had, you know, <laughs> earlier than that, you know, as as a composer, I can I can just imagine what what this was like and you really you really put it all here on this uh this 2 minutes and 20 seconds. Wow, that that was outstanding. Yes, thank you. Uh, there was definitely some worry going in about the 20 seconds going over because, you know, it's not the easiest piece in the world to play. But, you know, I think that uh, just the expression that the players put into it, the string players really went at it, I think, particularly they in really this piece. They really did. Yeah. Phenomenal performance. I, the, I, I need to share a bit of a story for b- behind the scenes. So, Dylan, you know, the whole time leading up to this piece was just in such severe self-doubt. Like we were getting closer and closer to the point that it needed to be due. And he's like, I have no ideas. I haven't even started the piece. I don't even know what it should be. Everything I try isn't working. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to give him pep talks and be like, Dylan, you're you got this, man. You just got to start working on it. You have to trust your instincts and stuff. And so I kind of I knew it was going to be great because that's the case with Dylan all the time. He like has these cycles of self-doubt and then it ends up being brilliant. And then he he I think you FaceTimed me or you you sent me kind of like an early, early sketch of just the basic melody. The yeah, da, 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 yeah da. just the string. And section. I was so freaking excited. I like called you immediately and we just I had like a fangirl, you know, a huge just <laughs> celebration of love over that tune. It was one of the things it it still makes me furious because this <laughs> melody is everything that I think a great melody should be. This is like. This whole piece is like, this is what I wanted my thesis piece to be. Um, but it's like, anyways, so there's that. But I didn't really, I, I restrained myself from listening to this because I knew it was going to be great. And I wanted the experience of hearing it with the orchestra. And when we were at the session and the string players did it, and the when, as soon as the melody came in, I started crying. And then when the strings take over the melody, like... I was weeping, yeah. like heavily weeping. And the, throughout the whole first take, I was just, I, I never experienced anything like that. It was one of the most moving experiences I've ever had with a piece of music. Music is so powerful. And then they do the second take and I'm crying again. And I cried at every <laughs> single take. It was like, that makes sense man, to me. I, I, honestly, this piece never fails to make me emotional. I just think it's, it's flawlessly executed. Oh, man, I, I really appreciate it so much. I mean, you know, too, that like the two years we had uh, in the master's program was a lot of writing and a lot of writing under very like strict time pressure. And uh, even our program director, you know, early on when I was coming in with like the very first drafts of this piece, we were kind of told, you know, have it pretty much done by a certain point. And I kept coming in saying things like, you know, I'd say it's like 40% of the way there. And like, you know, maybe the skeleton of the piece is there, but I knew I wanted to change so much. And the orchestration changed up to the 11th hour. I was still messaging Will and one of our other friends, David, uh, both orchestral gurus for me. And I just kept asking them, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? What I felt so embarrassed of is as you were sending that stuff, I was kind of like, oh, God, another thing with Dylan. Yes, it's fine. Just commit to the woodwind runs. It's going to be fine. I know it'll be fine. And then I listened to it. And it's like the most exquisite, beautiful writing. It's like the second coming of Debussy or something like I've never heard such beauty. And I'm just like. What kind of an a-hole am I? Like, I, I don't know. I, I I don't deserve to ask you for advice, man. I mean, this is, yeah, it's so good. Anyways, um, now I think would be a great time to get to know some of the rest of the Columbia College class of 2022. 
Hi, I'm Macy Camille, and I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. My name is Beryl Rosenblum. I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. I am Kyle Wazlewski. I'm from Chicago. Hey, my name is David Neville. I'm originally from Danville, Indiana. I am Marcus Ziegel. I was born in Romania and I moved to the UK when I was uh, 15. Hi, I'm Yifan from China, and I've been in the States for exactly one year. Hi, I'm Casey Austin. I'm from a small town, smallish, called Springfield, Missouri. It's not the Springfield from The Simpsons, I don't think. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Peter Lee. Born in China, but I'm a Manchurian descendant, so my Manchurian family, you know, they, they all have really close you know, relationship in history with Russian culture. Hi, my name is Alexander Rybak, uh, Alexander Rybak, and I decided to join uh, Columbia College all the way from Norway. I'm born in Belarus. I've played violin my whole life, and uh, I also won Eurovision Song Contest. But a couple of years ago, I decided to start with film music, which has always been my passion. My name is Hanuk Park. I was born in South Korea, uh, started playing the piano and violin at the age of, I think, six. I um, moved to Russia when I was seven. Then I moved to England when I was 12 years old. Then I went on to study at the Royal College of Music and Guildhall School of Music in London. Initially, I um, started off my career as a violinist, but I always had this love for film music and TV shows. I started going to an art school when I was in sixth grade and there I got to do guitar lessons and piano lessons and I actually started composing there when I was 16. I had a composition class and um, it was in that class that I kind of realized that I wanted to do film scoring because we had a film scoring unit and then I decided to apply to Columbia for um, my undergrad for the music composition program there. And I just came to Chicago and toured the school and could sort of automatically tell what a close-knit community it was. And I just couldn't imagine myself anywhere else once I had gotten in and toured there. I studied classical piano performance and music production um, in my undergrad in Leeds. I worked for a little bit before coming to Colombia where I met Will. I did a lot of tech work for a band, you know, setting up the stage and going to gigs all over the country. In the meantime, whenever I had free time, um, alongside teaching piano as well, I was writing a lot of music, hoping to get into music for film. So then I moved to Chicago, uh, where I studied alongside Will for two years. I think that what's really unique about our friend group is that the whole first year we had never met in person and it was all virtual. And I think that it, at first glance that might seem like something that would make us more distant to each other, but just having that experience together. When we all met each other for the very first time after only seeing each other on a screen, it was like meeting celebrities a little bit. It was like that same sort of sensation of like, this is a person I've only ever seen on my TV and now they're standing in front of me. What a weird sensation that is. On Zoom, there's a chat that we're able to talk in and in all of our classes to uh, sometimes the <laughs> maybe annoyance of our professors. If we wanted to say something but didn't want to interrupt, we could just put it there. And anytime anyone shared a piece of music, we could all just like write as much as we wanted about um, each other's pieces, which in, is unique because in class that can sometimes be limited, but during our time online we could all sort of talk as much as we want to each other, and I feel like there was also a lot of like inside jokes and memes that came out of that, so when we had all met in person, we just had this really unique um, sort of back and forth with each other that had started online. The reason we got through it without going crazy is because we were all friends. Well, and I think Columbia is like, you know, one of the top schools for this in the world, but people don't really know it as well. So um, when I, the summer that we were supposed to move to Chicago, people were always asking me like, so why aren't you going to NYU? Why aren't you going to NYU? And I'm like, because I don't want to go to NYU. Why aren't you going to NYU? <laughs> I don't want to live in New York or live in New Jersey. I don't want to live at home with my parents. I want to go to somewhere new. And 
NYU doesn't have the program that spits you out in LA. So that's how I ended up in Chicago. <laughs> Seeing all these exceptionally talented people, but in their own way, you know, it's we're not all writing the same music, which is encouraging because we all have our place. Right. I felt like all of us were very supportive. It was a very happy environment. I, I was never nervous to share anything that I wrote in front of anybody. Um, for the longest time, I thought I was gonna be an audio engineer and uh, that didn't pan out. I ended up not liking it as much as I thought I was going to. Um, and so from there, like I said, I transitioned to sound design. Um, sound design was cool. I really liked the experimental aspect to it and making weird sounds from synthesizers and natural sources. But I also had this itch to write music, um, but I had no formal training whatsoever. Didn't know how to read sheet music. And so for me, it was all about how can I blend the idea of sound design with music writing? And is there a possibility for me to take this in a more serious professional way? Yeah, and I mean, I, synthesizers were, I think the bridge for me between sound design and music composition for film and things like that. I, I remember watching It Follows once upon a time and thinking to myself while watching that because the entire score is electronic, it's a fantastic score, absolutely one of my favorites of all time. That was like the moment of realization for me that like, I don't have to write orchestrally to be a film composer. I can do what I've been doing, um, playing around with synthesizers and making fun sounds and make a really effective score. The first time that I had ever heard anyone say that you don't have to analyze music all the same way. There's different interpretations of like ways you could analyze the music was when I was studying in France and they were like, well, you could look at it like this and you could think about it like that. Or if you look at it like this, it could be this. And they weren't saying like, well, if you analyzed it like that, because we would have tests and they weren't saying like, oh, if you analyzed it like this, you're wrong. It was like, well, if you look at it like from this angle, it's like it could be you know, at this chord or that chord. <laughs> Recently, Beryl and Macy have collaborated on the score to a short film called The Weight of You. We had always sort of wanted to collaborate together on a project. It's a drama uh, about sexual assault and coming to terms with that sort of retrospectively transferring sort of the weight of um, that experience to the person who, the perpetrator basically, just by having them acknowledge that it happened. And it was a really special experience as women composers doing this project about survivors and about specifically a female survivor at the front of it that was a really cool experience for us and we sort of look forward to doing projects together but specifically projects like that together I just always wanted to explore. I wanted to experiment, you know, to, to go on new adventures. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, I, I won the different competitions, like Tchaikovsky competitions, etc., etc. And people say, well, you should always just keep doing what you're doing, just do classical violin. But then I kind of started experimenting with jazz, and then I won the... Um, uh, Norway's Got Talent, Eurovision, every country in Europe gets the song that represents the country and I wanted to represent the country with a folk song because Norway is all about Hadranger fiddle and and like mountains in the song, you know. So I, I went for folk music and pop. Like almost all the songs in Norway are in major. Uh, all the songs in Russia, they're in minor. In Norway it would be, uh, well, it's raining, but but I don't care, inside Inside, I'm happy. In mm. Russia, it would be like, well, yeah, everyone's happy, I'm happy, but it's raining. <laughs> it's always, 
<laughs> you know, you always see the glass half full and I mean half empty and it's very nostalgic. So I guess the Norwegian optimism, that's, that's what really caught me. I write so much better when, I, when I'm not in front of the computer. I'm, I write so much. That, that's why I moved out <laughs> to the mountains, man. In, in these situations, I always want to thank my parents. I don't know anybody who has had that kind of childhood as I have. It's either too strict or it's a normal, healthy childhood. <laughs> While I had something in between. Uh, my mom and dad is coming to see me for the first time in eight months or something like that. And I'm just, ah, uh, I'm so happy every time I can show them how I have advanced because I know like they planted all the seeds, you know. Being away from parents at such an early age and I lived with like a Russian family who had also had a son and he played the piano. Seeing him interact with his parents, I always kind of felt lonely um, because my, I didn't have my parents there. And you know, Russia is, is not one of the jolliest countries in the world. And it's, it's, it gets very dark and cold, you know, most of the winter. It was like a traumatic experience thinking back, but also I'm, I'm super grateful because otherwise I wouldn't have been here. My brother is probably my first really big musical influence in my life because he was always admittedly much more talented than I am. Um, so from an early age, he was taking piano lessons and guitar lessons and I always looked up to him and he's my younger brother. So that's kind of interesting how I was the older one, but I was looking up to my younger brother and his musical abilities. And I, I, I originally was going to be a police officer like my father and he kind of steered me away from that. He said that rightfully, I don't have the personality for it. And um, I agreed with him. And I decided that I wanted to pursue music for real. And um, composition has always been my passion. And my undergrad is in composition, classical, small c composition, um, where I wrote a bunch of uh, concert pieces. Especially because we have this amazing orchestra in this amazing room recorded by the best audio engineer in the business. I, I knew I wanted to write something that was more light and more playful and kind of more celebratory because in my mind, this is kind of the end of a chapter in my life. For me, I went straight through school, high school, into undergrad and into grad school. So this long collective journey of education ended on that day and I felt like I wanted to write a piece that kind of commemorated that that journey that end of a journey as well and heading into something I'd never experienced before um, which is the workforce finding a job being an adult for real proper adult I knew pretty early that I wanted to be involved in music. I didn't know I wanted to do film music or even orchestral music, for example, which is the thing that is most interesting to me. But I always knew I wanted to be as good as I possibly could. I realized that you, you do have to be really organized and people will tell you that, you know, most people in this room are not going to make it. What I kept telling myself every time is I'm not going to be that person. So I need to find out what I have to do to make sure that doesn't happen. If you're sometimes improvising a melody on the piano, it's not going to sound like you're improvising a melody on a violin. Um, I am trying to move away from that a little bit, um, especially when writing melodies, because it can sound very pianistic when you play it on the piano. I think now I've been trying to write it down and craft a melody a little bit more than just trying to improvise. If you structure your melodies better, they will be more useful. Especially for film music, if your melodies are well crafted and you think, oh, I can use this little part of the melody that helps in a different part of the film where you only have time for those three beats. 
and now I'm lucky enough to be working at John Powell's studio doing all sorts of interesting things like making tea, perfecting it. Um, <laughs> you perfected the art of making tea. Yes, and um, slowly being introduced to making coffee. So Yeah, you're not quite there yet, but <laughs> you'll get there. I know you. Yeah, it's all about the right amount of sugar and milk. So yeah. <laughs> I've heard stories about John having four films at the same time, which obviously requires a lot of uh, organization and making sure everything is working properly and the systems are in place. Otherwise, there would be no way of finishing four projects like that. So I'm learning more from the people who work there now um, who have obviously learned from John. So the person I'm learning more from is his assistant, Batu, who's also taken off now as a composer himself. Well, I knew one person who had studied at Columbia, who was you know, in Leeds where I was studying in my year, and we had a few classes together. So a few months after he graduated, I was in Chicago visiting, and I remember that he'd studied in Chicago, so I messaged him, and then I saw that he started working for Matthew Margeson in remote control. I was pretty surprised, and I thought, oh, wow, he's doing really well. And being competitive, I knew that I could probably do the same. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kind of people who go there um, were, in a way, similar to me. It wasn't a snobby college that you would go to and only work on specific things like, oh, you know, we don't deal with the stupid 8-bit stuff. We only deal with orchestral music and lo only learn about that. I knew it wasn't that sort of place and that's that's the sort of place that I wanted to be in where there was different ideas coming together and not just snobby people, basically. We all had this really intense two-year experience together, which obviously is going to bond any group of people. If you're going to do that, if you're going to be somebody who follows their passion, then give it your all. Like, absolutely give it your all and explore. Explore all the different avenues that, you know, that could that could bring you down. I think that's something that I'm, I'm doing right now and um, I'm enjoying it a lot is just exploring and like being open to all the different areas of music creation and sound design and things like that. If you're a composer and you want to move out to LA and be a composer, like open your open your mind to the, the possibility of looking into other avenues outside of specifically being the composer on a project. Like try music editing, try try being a mixer for a project, try sound design. Do some research before you started. But as long as you started, don't worry too much. You will get there one day. Just believe in yourself and put efforts, put your time on that, and you will get there one day. Don't worry too much. If you want to become a composer, then go and be with composers. Go and study with composers or learn from a composer. Be proactive rather than stay in your room thinking that you'll learn something. I recently took on a position as an assistant for Pinar Toprak, a composer for things like Fortnite and uh, Captain Marvel, and currently Stargirl on TV. So I'll be starting helping her out. And I'm really looking forward to taking on those sort of projects and I'm really excited for the future, definitely. I'm doing some work with um, score prep at Joanne Kane Music Services. Um, and basically I help put together um, scores and parts for orchestral recording sessions for a lot of films here. All of us understand how important our family is, right? <laughs> Seriously, some of the greatest people I've ever met and I'm very honored to be your friend and to be able to call you my friend, so. Well, that was absolutely delightful, uh, as is this piece of music we're listening to here called At the Cool Store, which is another Dylan composition. What a fun time. I'm so glad we got to do this episode. It was an idea that we had percolating for a few months. 
Um, and we actually have ideas of maybe more, if, if you consider this like a community spotlight episode, you know, we have other ideas for other community spotlight episodes maybe we could do in the future but what a great time it's hard not to be proud of what everybody created yeah the whole point of today's episode was really just to introduce you to um this community to introduce you to some of my friends that i've made uh and now hopefully you can understand why i gush about them so much carl because it's like you know when you have talented people like dylan but yet, if Dylan's someone that you see every day and go to school with, <laughs> even though I'm hearing his music all the time, I still have moments where yeah, I have Will, to pinch okay, myself so and be like, I can't believe I will Dylan tell you, wrote I know this. this is the whole reason we're doing this. I can <laughs> confirm Dylan is a great composer. You're right. You're not, it's, it's, you're not just going crazy. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, no, this, this track is really, really cool, really funky. I was telling Dylan that it actually reminds me of Joshua Morris, which we've played some of his tracks on the podcast before, so you should check him out. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm blown Definitely. away with everything I've heard. Everything is so different. Everyone has such a different voice and style, and that really makes me happy. I just yeah, this was really inspiring. Yeah, and it gives. It doesn't it give. I I don't know. It's always given me like more hope for the future of like being part of the. Oh, there's all these young composers writing melodies and beautiful orchestral pieces, and they can write chip tunes and they can write orchestra mm-hmm. music and they can do songwriting and play instruments. And it's like there are incredibly talented individuals out there, and you know. Pay attention to some of these names because yeah. I know that. So, I mean, again, check out our website uh, because if you want to see all the names there and maybe we'll even have some links underneath um, that you guys can visit, that's going to be really cool. Also, I think for the past few years, a lot of you have probably been pretty curious. You know, you've heard Will occasionally talk about what he's been up to. Uh, and so I think this is this is a really nice, you know, glimpse into that. And yeah, if you have other ideas for other community spotlight episodes, um, let us know. A hundred percent. I also wanted to mention that I recently completed four volumes of something that I call the Columbia Chronicles, which is basically, you know, album versions of selections from the music that I composed during the whole grad school period, each one representing sort of a different semester uh, it's it's kind of emotional now that it's all over. It feels like the time went by so fast, but I'm I'm really proud of all of the work that we've all done. Uh, but so if you're interested in hearing that, you can find that at my website, williambmusic.com, or you can navigate to all of our albums at supermarcadobros.com, supermarcadobros.bandcamp.com, which you may not have noticed, but within the last few years, is now a label page. So you can find all of Carl's music, all of Marty's music, and all of my music under that label, Marcato Records. Yeah, thanks, Dylan, for coming on for this main segment. Oh, no, for sure. I will definitely do this anytime you guys want. Will, we're going to play out with uh, a track called Fade Into the Forest. Do you want to set this up before we play this song. Yeah, I thought it was fitting to fade out with Fade Into the Forest. This was composed by our good friend Iafan. Uh, she is an incredibly talented woman, and she's also just an incredibly tenacious spirit. Um, currently, she's working at White Bear PR, which is a PR firm that deals almost exclusively with media composers cool. and people in that industry. But yeah, Yafan is a brilliant composer and a wonderful pianist. This is a lovely track that hopefully will send you on your way with a nice moody tranquility. Thanks everyone for joining us for this really special episode. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.